hard to get something that we don't have. It comes by receiving something that we already have in Christ. The same gospel that saves us is more than enough to help us grow. The same gospel that saves us is more than enough to enable us to change. How does that happen? Well, if you're taking notes this morning, here's our outline. Here's where we're going. We're going to walk right through the passage and we'll see four very important, profound things about how we grow as Christians. First, we'll see that the gospel is more than enough to make us wise. Second, we'll see that the gospel is more than enough to make us holy. Third, we'll see that the gospel is more than enough to make us, wait for it, indefatigable. The gospel makes us unbreakable people, unstoppable people. And finally, we'll see that the gospel is more than enough to make us thankful. To make us people who are truly grateful to God for all of his blessings. We live in a world of self-help and self-improvement, a world of New Year's resolutions, a world where we are given lists of things that we must do if we want to change. Meditate every day, take cold showers, delete your social media, save more for retirement, visualize success. Eat less. Exercise more. The world says if we try really hard, we can get something that we don't have. Paul's message to us this morning is the complete opposite of that. It's totally different. Paul says that our spiritual growth isn't about doing more for Jesus. It's about resting in what he has already done for us on the cross. How do we do that? What does that look like on January 2nd at the start of the new year? What does it look like next week and next month when it's almost Valentine's Day and your neighbors are giving you the side eye because you still have that giant inflatable Santa on your front yard? Let's take a closer look. First big idea, the gospel is more than enough to make us wise. Verse 9, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. How many of you have ever struggled to discern God's will? How many of you have ever wondered, what does God want me to do with my life? Does God want me to go to college? Which college should I attend? Should I date this person? Should I marry this person? Should we have kids? How many kids should we have? What should we name the kids? Joel, that's a good name for a boy. Uh, Joel, good name for a girl. What if we have more than two kids? We're almost out of names. What about my career? Where should we live? Where should we work? Should I retire? What does God want me to do? And is it possible for me to make one wrong decision that will put me outside of God's will 
and be like the first domino of a series of dominoes that completely ruins my life. Well, what does Paul have to say? First, he says that we need to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. At the risk of stating the obvious, our knowledge of God's will comes from God. It's not something that we have to figure out on our own. He reveals it to us. We need divine insight if we're going to understand God's will. So where does that come from? Well, the second thing he tells us is that the divine insight that we need comes from God, the Holy Spirit. When Paul talks about spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding, he's not, something, he's not talking about something that is mystical or ethereal as opposed to material and logical. He's talking about wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit, capital S, spiritual wisdom, spiritual understanding. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and understanding by speaking to us, and He speaks most clearly to us through the Word of God, the Bible. In 2 Timothy 3, the Apostle Paul tells us that the Bible is literally breathed out by God. The word for spirit and the word for breath are the same word in Greek. And so the Spirit breathes out God's Word. In the book of 2 Peter, 2 Peter 1, the Apostle Peter tells us that the human authors of the Bible, each gifted with their own unique uh, gifts and talents and personalities, nevertheless wrote the Bible as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Bible is not a, a book of opinions about God, about human beings sort of sharing their own unique human thoughts. The, the human writers were literally carried along by God, the Holy Spirit, as they wrote. And so for Paul, understanding God's will isn't about understanding the hidden plans and purposes of God. It's about understanding the revealed plans, and purposes of God. You can think about it this way. Oftentimes when people come to me, young people, talking about God's will and trying to understand God's will, I find that they think about God's will like a target to hit. And there's only one right answer. There's only one right career. There's only one right spouse. There's only one right choice to make in any given situation. Well, I believe what the Apostle Paul is teaching us is that the will of God is less of a target to hit and more of a field to play on. When we're in God's will, we're playing on the field of redemption with rules and boundaries set by God's word, with plenty of room to improvise because Jesus has set us free. The Holy Spirit makes us wise. He speaks to us through the Bible, which is all about Jesus and his love for sinful, broken, stumbling, confused people like us. Are you reading the Bible? Are you listening to God's Word? 
January 2nd, New Year, now is a great time to start. And if you miss a day, or a week, or a month, start again. Listen to God's Word. The Gospel will make you wise. The Gospel will help you understand who you are and why you're here. Second big idea, the Gospel is more than enough to make us holy. Verse 9, And so from the day that we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 10, So that, so as, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work. In the Bible, wisdom walks. That's throughout the whole Bible, but it's especially true in the wisdom literature, the book of Proverbs. Wise people walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Wise people are trustworthy. Wise people have integrity. Wise people seek to honor God in the decisions that they make. Now, do we do that perfectly? No, of course not. But the same gospel that frees us from the penalty of sin is the gospel that frees us from the power of sin. In other words, the same gospel that saves us is more than enough to make us live new lives, new lives of holiness and obedience and growth. By God's grace, we can grow. By God's grace, we can change. So how does that happen? When we understand how much God loves us, so much that he would send Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, to die on the cross for us, we start to see that his commandments aren't a burden, they're a blessing. God the Father gives us his commandments not to condemn us, not to judge us, but to show us like a faithful father how life works best, how to live, how to love like Jesus lived and loved. When we understand how much God loves us, so much that Jesus would die on the cross for us, then the question changes from how much can I get away with, how close to the line can I get without crossing over, to how much can I be like Jesus how much can I love him? How much can I honor him with the decisions that I make? In John chapter 6, Jesus was asked, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And he says something truly revolutionary, truly remarkable. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Holiness is faith that walks. Holiness is trust that obeys. As the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, I will run in the path of your commandments, for you have set my heart free. The gospel is more than enough to make you holy in 2022 and every year after that. The gospel is more than enough to change old, destructive, sinful habits. The gospel is more than enough to make all things, including you, new. 
third big idea. The gospel is more than enough to make us indefatigable. The gospel is more than enough to make us strong and unstoppable. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Now, endurance refers to dealing with impossible situations, situations where there's just no right answer. Patience in, it has to do with dealing with impossible people, people who are incredibly difficult, people who are irrational, people who say hurtful and harmful things. Joy refers to happiness that transcends our circumstances. When things are hard, when people are hard, when life is difficult, when people are mean, when life knocks us down, remember the gospel is good news. The good news that God suffers with us. He suffers with us. He's with us when we're dealing with impossible situations. He's with us when we're dealing with impossible people. In Psalm 23, David memorably says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's the message of Christmas that's the message of the Incarnation. In Matthew 1, we are told, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. In John chapter 1, verse 14, we read, And the Word, the Word of God, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Whatever it is that you're battling this year, whether it be health problems or emotional problems, depression, injustice, unfairness, the ups and downs of being a parent, the ups and downs of being a kid, God is with you. You are in Christ, and Christ is in you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. The gospel is not only good news that God is with us, the gospel is good news that God suffers for us. That's what the cross is all about. Jesus died so that we might live. Our union with Christ is so thorough, so complete, that our suffering cannot be separated from Christ's sufferings. And His sufferings cannot be separated from our own. When we suffer in this broken, fallen world, at the hands of other people who sin against us, at our own hands when we sin. We know that we have a God who is with us, united to us through faith in Christ by the power of His Spirit. Joseph's son was a pastor who suffered terrible persecution for his faith in Romania. Romania was at that time a communist nation actively persecuting the Christian church. 
Reflecting on that time of his life, he writes, This union with Christ is the most beautiful subject in the Christian life. It means that I am not a lone fighter here. I am an extension of Jesus Christ. When I was beaten in Romania, he suffered in my body. It is not my suffering. I only had the honor to share his suffering. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying that the gospel is more than enough to make us unbreakable people. God is with us, and God is for us, and nothing that happens in 2022, nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing. Fourth big idea, the gospel is more than enough to make us thankful. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. As Christians, we have so much to be thankful for. Just look at what, God, what Paul says to us here. He says that God has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in life, light. Because of Jesus, we have an inheritance in heaven. Because of Jesus, when Jesus comes again, we will inherit this physical world. With all of the trees and all of the mountains and all of the seas and all of the glories of this creation, all the cities and architectural wonders of the world will be ours as our inheritance in Christ. When Jesus comes again, we will inherit new bodies, better bodies, bodies that never grow sick and never grow old. When Jesus comes again, we will receive new families, better families, families where no one argues at Christmas dinner. And even if you have the greatest family in the world, my family's pretty great. It will be even better than the family that you have right now. When Jesus comes again, everything that is broken will be put back together again. That is the promise of the gospel. That is the promise to you if you receive Christ through faith in him. It gets better. God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. That means that Satan, our great enemy, has been defeated. The Heidelberg Catechism says that when Jesus died on the cross, we were set free from the tyranny of the devil. Because of Jesus, we live in a new kingdom. It's a kingdom of love because Jesus is God's beloved Son. It's a kingdom of peace because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. It's a kingdom where justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. God has delivered us. 
past tense. Satan has been defeated, past tense. Therefore, the beauty and the glory of the kingdom of God is a present-day reality for all of God's people. We live here as citizens of there, making God's kingdom come alive as we love and serve and give in our community. Because of Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. If you believe in Jesus, you have been forgiven. Full stop. All the sins that you committed last year and 2021 have been forgiven. All of the sins that you will commit in 2022 have been forgiven. And therefore, we are no longer slaves to fear. We are children of the living God. The whole Christian life can be summed up in one word, gratitude. This afternoon, spend a little bit of time as you start the new year just simply giving thanks to all that God has done for you. The material blessings, certainly. Your health, your vigor, your youth, of course. But take some time to thank God for forgiving your sins and bringing you into the new and glorious kingdom which he has prepared for all who believe. How do we grow? How do we change? God sends the rain. God sends grace. You know, the, the great German reformer Martin Luther once said, it is not imitation that makes sons. It is sonship that makes imitators. We change not because of the blood and sweat and tears of our own obedience. We change because of the blood and the sweat and the tears of Christ's obedience. This week I read a little poem that has been attributed to John Bunyan, the writer of Pilgrim's Progress. He captures this so perfectly. He writes, Run, John, run, the law demands. Have you ever felt like that? Run, run, do more, try harder. But gives me neither feet nor hands. Better news the gospel brings, bids me fly and gives me wings. May God bless you richly in 2022. May the God who bids you fly give you wings as you receive and rest upon Jesus and everything that he has done for you. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Oh Lord our God, we thank you for your grace, which is truly overwhelming. I pray, Lord God, that we would believe the gospel more tomorrow than we do today. And more the day after that, until we die or until you come again. Lord, sustain us with your mighty, powerful hand that we might love and serve others 
in gentleness, in lowliness, not making much of ourselves, but making much of you, Lord Jesus. May that be our prayer today and every day, for we make it in Christ's name. Amen.